All right, so glad that we can be together this morning. And I know that we have been in a series uh, looking from 1 Corinthians 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. How the Holy Spirit, this one Spirit, gives people many gifts. And you might, as we kind of come to the culmination of it this morning, be thinking about teamwork. And maybe you've heard me say it takes teamwork to make the dream work. You see on the screen one does not simply make the dream work without the teamwork, right? So one spirit, many superpowers. It's the spirit who gives good gifts. This morning, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it actually starts with the last verse of chapter 12. With a reminder of the theme. As there have been many topics. And I just want to remind you, as there are many applications to this today, try to not get distracted, try to keep things focused. It's why each week we've provided notes, cityharborchurch.com slash messages. But let's go as the Holy Spirit leads us in Paul's letter to those believers in Corinth, back to the main thing. Together, right, Jesus followers, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of that body. But you should truly want to have the greater gifts, the more helpful gifts, right? And now I will show you the best way of all. Love is the greater gift. And he's been talking about the different verbal gifts, and so he starts to reference those here, right? I may speak in different languages of people or even angels, but if I do not have love, I'm only a noisy bell or a crashing cymbal. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand the secret things of God and have all knowledge. I may have faith so great I can move mountains. But even with all these things, if I do not have love, then I'm nothing. I may give away everything I have. I may even give my body as an offering to be burned. But I gain nothing if I do not have love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not proud. Love is not rude. It is not selfish and does not get upset with others. Love does not count up wrongs that have been done. Love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices over the truth. Love patiently accepts all things. It always trusts, always hopes, and always endures. Love never ends. There are gifts of prophecy, but they will be ended. There are gifts of speaking in different languages, and those gifts will stop. We spoke about that last week. There's the gift of knowledge, but it will come to an end. There's a reason that the reason is that our knowledge and our ability to prophesy are not perfect. But when perfection comes, the things that are not perfect will end. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I stopped those childish ways. It is the same with us. Now we see a dim reflection, as if we were looking into a mirror, but then we shall see clearly. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully as God has known me. So these three things continue forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
You should seek after love. You should truly want to have the spiritual gifts. Seek most of all to have the gifts that help the church grow stronger. Right here gives us some context for what's being talked about. When you see something amazing, you want to look closer. You're so glad to have Charlotte home from college over the summer months, and some of this includes us in our living room, seeing something on your phone, and, oh, look at this, and looking across the living room, sometimes it's kind of hard to see. We don't have a you know, huge phone, right? So, you want to look closer when you see something amazing. Paul is saying, by God's inspiration, let's look closer at love. This agape love, this word that is being used here, we've maybe in our 13 years here has been the one thing of the good news of Jesus that we've talked about the most. We use the phrase love gives to help us have a deeper understanding of what this means. It's not, I love pizza, I love the color purple. It's agape love. We've got a definition on the screen to kind of help us in this Greek word. Agape love, to have sincere appreciation, high regard, affection, loving concern for someone without selfish agenda. The scholars are right, we would reference when you make a decision to love someone else, not for what you're going to get out of the arrangement. You make a dedicated commitment. You make a loving commitment, you show with action, and it's heartfelt. And this definition on the screen might sound a little foreign. It might sound different, unusual. I want us to, it, it would be a mistake to not start with our looking closer by considering that this is the same word used to describe how God loves you. Have you thought about that? Certainly God loves your positive attributes, but is there anything that you do that God couldn't do better? God doesn't love you for what you do. God doesn't love you to get something out of you. And God doesn't love you to prove how good he is. God has made a decision to love you deeply, passionately, affectionately, with a sincere appreciation, with a high guard, the regard. The God who gives you value, gives your life value, is the one who loves your value. God has a loving, a genuine loving concern for you, without impurity, without a selfish agenda. I think we should be careful we don't go too far with a self-sacrificing, self-punishing kind of ethic in this. And that's why I'm thankful for books like Pure Pleasure with a Christian perspective on this. But I want us to look a little closer at agape love and what this means. And remember the context. It's talking about believers in a local church and how they relate to each other and how and why they use their spiritual gifts. Love. Love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. 
is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the way that God loves you. This is the way that we are to love each other. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Now, are you starting to notice that there's a lot of normal human reactions that are being listed here as not loving? Did you notice that? And as we look closer, we're getting a little bit more of a high-definition understanding of what love is. But please, don't look at your relationship with each other out of a duty and feeling bad about what you can't do. Please, first and foremost, receive God's love for you, be changed by it, and then in turn realize that it's God's love that God wants you to share with others. It's not just what comes naturally to you out of your carnal or your fleshly nature or out of a feeling of guilt. No, no, no. It's I receive this transformative love that God has for me. And then in turn, I want to give that love to others. The beautiful thing about that is that God's love doesn't run out. And so when you feel you are on empty, you can at any moment pray, say, God, give me your love for this person. Because the more we are invested and engaged in relationship with each other, the harder this can become. And certainly in the last three years, it has been tested. Right? So when we think about Jesus was an example to us, let's get a couple other translations involved here. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. What unites us? Anyone? A love for Jesus, a common love for Jesus, yes, right? Jesus brings us together. The Spirit of God, right? God is kind of working, God prompts it, right? What else? What unites us? What's that? St what? Struggles? Yeah, we share struggles. What divides us? I'm sorry? Politics. Thought that might be the first one this morning. Yeah? Well, human. What's that? Pride. Pride. Yeah. Think of myself better than I should, maybe. Different life experiences. Uh-huh. Sin. Sin. Right. Right? Uh-huh. You were born into that mess. <laughs> what can build unity? Time? Yes. What motivates us to spend time together? Agape love. Agape love. God's agape love 
is what will truly unite us. That's what will truly unite us. I know we have bad experiences in life. And sometimes we have bad experiences when we're trying to do it all by ourselves. And sometimes we have bad experiences when we're trying to do it as a team. And so sometimes team building and unity and loving other people, it does not sound good if we're honest. And we kind of hold this one place in our heart. Because at some point we've probably all been on a team like the one in this picture that's all of a sudden going to have a rude awakening. Sometimes you've had this experience, right? Teamwork, it's getting all the blame for everyone else's mistakes. Anyone ever worked on a project with other people at school? Right, you know? uh, teamwork in a nutshell. I'm doing all the work as the other minions are laughing at me. And it's just these negative life experiences. We come to teamwork, I was told there would be collaboration. A working together, co collaboration is a good word to help us look a little closer to God by love. I was told there'd be collaboration. Collaboration sometimes looks like this. You got one person who comes up with the worst ideas, one person who doesn't do any work wants to take all the credit, one person that's joking around all the time, that's been me, uh, one person who ends up doing all the work, right? Collaboration is so much fun. Sometimes teamwork, teamwork causes a mess. Sometimes teamwork causes a mess. And sometimes teamwork is a beautiful thing. Look at this fish helping this boy catch, this uh, cat helping this boy catch a fish, just so we go to get the cat people and the dog people, everyone today. Agape love, to have sincere appreciation, high regard, affection, loving concern for someone without selfish agenda. How is that possible? choosing to give a Jesus kind of love to someone out of sincere appreciation, high regard, without selfish agenda. This is like alien compared to what we experience in our relationships a lot of times. If you're feeling some of that this is impossible, and the pain of negative experiences or the pain of feeling guilty about how you've interacted with others, let's just pray right now. Because God doesn't want you to relate to him out of legalism or guilt. He doesn't want you to relate to other people out of a legalistic sense of duty or guilt. So if you, you something negative is coming to the surface right now, let's pray and you can confess it as wrong, receive God's forgiveness and freedom or if there's pain, let's pray right now. Just receive healing from God, okay? God the Holy Spirit's here. Let's pray. Lord, right now, whatever's coming to the surface, your Holy Spirit's prompting us. We're feeling guilty about how we've interacted with someone else. God, we confess what is wrong as such. Make a fresh commitment to turn away from that, to not live like that anymore, talk like that, act like that anymore. We ask you to forgive us. Please forgive us for where we've been wrong. Don't punish us for that. Give us your love, which we don't deserve. Please give us the strength and your love so that we can live in this new way that you lead us in. Lord, whoever's feeling pain from hurt today, we ask that you would bring healing, complete and total healing, strength, and restoration. 
Would you be involved, God, we ask, in Jesus' name. Think about this. Jesus says that this, uh, the question is posed to Jesus, the most important commandment in the law of Moses. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God. And this is the agape word that word. Our relationship to God. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. When I come in, even in this hot and sticky room, when I engage in the time of worship, that's what I'm doing. I'm loving God with the best of my energy. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It applies to our whole life. The first and second greatest commandment, the second equally important to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, again, using the agape word. Jesus' teaching in John 15 says this, this is my commandment. This is my commandment. For Jesus' followers, this should cause us to sit up and pay attention. Agape love, love each other, other followers of Jesus, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In the same way. Think about this. Have you received agape love from someone else in this church? Has someone come and done your yard work? I know some occasions where that's happened. Helped with childcare, done some babysitting. Someone else in this church brought you meals, brought you food, helped you move from one house to another, given you a ride somewhere, given you clothes, given you money for needs, helped you with a car repair, a home repair, house sitting. Oh, Daniel and Holly have a lot of agape love. <laughs> Pray for them. Done grocery shopping for you. Picked up prescriptions for you. Exercised with you. Prayed for you. Encouraged you in person or through direct messaging. We are a church that loves each other. Jesus gives us this example. So when we look closer, our grateful, our thank you to God response is we receive the love of God and we want to love others, this is what it should look like. And when we exercise our spiritual gifts, love is faithful, patient, kind, rejoicing in the truth, always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres, never fails. These last three years of the divisions that we've talked about, there's been opportunity for us to complain about each other, to accuse each other, to complain about the church, accuse the church, to get drawn into negative thinking. But agape love always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres, never fails. In contrast, love is not envious, boastful, walking in pride. It does not treat other people in ways that are rude, self-seeking, or easily angered. If there's unexpressed, unresolved anger, we need to let the Holy Spirit 
bring it to light and bring it out into the open and bring healing so that love can be strengthened. It's so important. We want to be cultivating peace and joy in our lives. And it doesn't happen without that Holy Spirit procedure. If I find myself easily angered, I need to let the Holy Spirit ask the hard questions. And I need to take steps in the right direction. When I was in middle school, I had a very quick temper. God did something significant in my life that brought change. I still have emotions, but I no longer have a quick temper. If you have a quick temper, don't pretend that that's not happening. There's something, as was the case in my life, unresolved under the surface that God wants to bring healing to. Because love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love in our relationship with each other, it's not I'm keeping a file on you. I'm keeping all this list of details, all these things where you've messed up. Now it's not talking about pretending that things need to be better, don't need to be better, right? It's, we, but the path of love is a path of restoration which can explain this is how it can go better. But if I'm believing the best, focusing on the best, I'm not keeping a file and therefore being burdened down. Agape love, have sincere appreciation, high regard, affection, loving concern for someone without a selfish agenda. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in the little book Life Together wrote about this, speaking about the ways that people within a local church can listen to each other. We talked about that earlier this year, to be helpful to each other, to share each other's burdens, to speak the truth of Scripture to each other, avoiding the cult of personality, sharing in confession and communion, Henri Nguyen, in, in Reaching Out, writes about the family aspect of a local church community. And an experience that taught him about this during a visit to Mexico. He's sitting on a bench in one of the village plazas. He saw how much larger the family of the little children were. They were hugged and kissed and carried by aunts and uncles and friends and neighbors. It seemed the whole community spending its evening playfully in the plaza became father and mother for the little ones. Their affection, their fearless movements made me aware that for them, everyone was family. For some of us, this seems naive, impossible, uncomfortable, or undesirable. It's maybe due to adverse experiences we've had in childhood. But in truth, a local church community of Jesus Christ followers can be more welcoming, sensitive, and restorative for people who have this kind of trauma. The more we allow the Holy Spirit to shape us with agape love, to fill us to overflowing with agape love, press, healing us and pressing everything else out, selfish agenda out, the more we are a safe place for other people. We believe in this spiritual family that agape love is priority. That it's the Holy Spirit that cures the disease of me. As we serve the cause of Jesus Christ, loving each other in the same way that Christ first loved us. So here's what agape love. Agape love becomes what 
motivates us to build relationships with each other. That's, that's what it looks like. It's our motivation. And if, if we've been in this Jesus walk for many years, and we kind of think we got it together, this is the way to check yourself if there's actually spiritual growth. Is agape love your motivation for intentionally building relationships with others, particularly within the local church? Agape love becomes what motivates us to activate our spiritual gifts. Say, well, I'm flowing in my spiritual gift. Is it all about me? No, it's not all about me. Agape love is the motive. Agape love becomes what shapes us in how we use our spiritual gifts. I'm so very thankful. Chris is out of the room at the moment with Ezra. I'm so thankful for Chris and Abby and the way that they use their spiritual gifts selflessly. Week in and week out. Every week of the year, they serve this church family in an agape love way where how they use their spiritual gifts is not about them. You don't see in an email communication from Abby, a verbal communication from Abby, how they use their time and energy in the home. You don't see in how Chris is, chooses songs for worship, shows up week in and week out to play. It's not selfish. He doesn't choose what songs based on his preference. There's a choice of songs based on what will be easy for the church to sing to that are full of truth, that will activate worship, that will bring life to you. That's an agape love way of using the gift. The gift is not used to be showing off. And that's a part of what is being written about in 1 Corinthians with the Corinthian church. So our application would be true to say, if we want to check how we're using our spiritual gifts, is it all about me? That's a carnal, fleshly thing. If I'm growing more like Jesus, then my motivation for using a spiritual gift and my shaping of how I use the spiritual gift, it must be shaped by agape love. So what do we learn? Receiving God's agape love provides us with plenty to share. God's love doesn't run out. So many times we feel insecure, we feel stressed, we feel anxious, we feel some kind of striving and using our spiritual gifts. It's because we're not doing so based on an overflow of having received the love of God. God's agape love for you is more than enough every day. And so we operate out of a position of being blessed we're to be blessed to be a blessing in a part of that God covenant. I've already received Jesus, the best that God has. I am already blessed, and so I want to agape love, serve others out of that place of having been blessed. Two, agape love is a priority. It's a priority. Three, agape love must shape our motives and methods. This is how when we work on teams in this church, when we do things in this church, this is a part of mentoring moments, coaching moments. You have a private one-on-one -on -one conversation with Rebecca or myself. This is a part of that conversation. This is a question you can ask yourself. Did I use my gift out of agape love? It shapes our motives and our methods. Agape love brings us together. We heard that today. And we share the responsibility. 
Banks wrote this book, Paul's Idea of Community, Spirit and Culture in Early House Churches. And he wrote this. In several of his letters, Paul talks about the specific aspects of the church's meetings, clarifies the principles upon which the decision should be based, and gives concrete advice on the kinds of arrangements that follow from them. He constantly reminds the whole community of its obligations in these areas and calls upon every member to fulfill them. Clearly, all who belong to the community share the responsibility for its practical operation. We have a responsibility. That responsibility includes building relationships intentionally. Seth and Heather Day wrote the book, I'll See You Tomorrow, Building Relational Resilience When You Want to Quit. They wrote this, Seth writes this about being an introvert and not really wanting to extend himself and build relationships in contrast to his wife's extrovert nature. He writes about it being a priority. If you're trying to pull yourself out there and put yourself out there and make new friends, it may not come to you naturally. It doesn't mean you're bad at it. And it doesn't mean it's a sign you shouldn't be doing it. It just means your brain needs some more time to process the new pattern you're providing it. So simply tell that old goat, hey brain, I know you're trying to keep me safe and take the path of least resistance here, but I must start doing some things differently. I'm gonna try something new. You will not like it, but it will be good for both of us. Being intentional about building relationships based on God's love is helpful. We've talked about it in, in months past. That involves prayer, it involves thinking, it involves making plans, it involves setting aside time, energy, and money. It involves follow-through, and it involves forgiving each other and repeating that process. Intentionally building relationships. And I'm so thankful for yesterday, after this amazing free-flowing time of worship we had together, the joy in the room downstairs in building relationships with each other. I was, that was wonderful. What should we do, right? Well, again, read 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Pray, listen, and ask questions. And I know for some of us, the summer is when we actually do a little bit of reading. So before I close in prayer, I want to talk a little bit about books. One of the dangers in a narrative that's in our culture right now that actually feeds selfishness and not agape love is that I have to agree with everything you think for us to be friends. Over these last few years, a lot of people have walked away from relationships with others because there's different perspective. They're seeing things, politics, whatever, in different ways. If I read 1 Corinthians 13 and I really think deeply about what love looks, I'm not saying you need to be in deep covenant relationship with everyone, but I am saying what you should receive from God should strengthen you and motivate you to be a person who is intentionally giving love and long-suffering in relationships. Very, very slow to break relationships. But further in how we learn. If I want to learn more about God's love, 
One of the things that I learned from Timothy Keller, who's now with Jesus, is that learning what people who think opposite of me is helpful. Being able to articulate their arguments better than they can is helpful. Listen, there's one perfect book, the Bible. And it's perfect in its revelation of Jesus. There are no other perfect books. And so when we choose a book to learn from, we are not saying we agree with everything that it says, as we have just recently learned in life groups. We're not seeing that we agree with everything the person has written online. We're not saying that we agree with everything they've thought in the past or will think in the future. What we are saying is that there is something in here that we can learn from. We're not saying that everything in the book applies to everyone, but we're saying there's something in here that we can learn from. And I get it. As a person who's dealt with a lot of physical problems and chronic pain, and for a lot of reasons hated reading in my life, I can understand all the reasons why you would be angry at me for what I'm about to say. It's okay. I love you. Reading is helpful. And so I want to give you some suggestions. There's many applications to what we're talking about today. Don't take them all on. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in the one application he has for you. And maybe one of these books will be helpful to you. I believe that in each one of these books, including the ones written by unbelievers, there is something to learn that would benefit you as a person, us as a church family, and Baltimore City. Yeah. Just a few suggestions, and then we'll close in prayer. Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which I mentioned earlier. Paul's idea of community, spirit, and culture in early house churches. These will also be on the notes in the, in the podcast post, but feel free to take out your phone, snap a picture of the screen if you want. Or write them down. But if there's, I'm going to put up a bunch. So if there's one that jumps out to you, write it down. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, it's like, so it's like this big. But really helpful when we understand our relationships with each other. I quoted Seth and Heather Day, I'll see you tomorrow, building relational resilience when you want to quit. Really good book. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lincoln. Been around for a long time, helped lots of people. I think we have some things we need to change in our church that it speaks of. The 17 Essential Qualities of a Team Player by John Maxwell. Really good. Man, I read that and the Holy Spirit convicted me of things that I needed to change and how I operate. I've apologized to some of you in this room for things because of what the Holy Spirit said to me through that book. Here's a classic may be known in the room. Anders Nygren, in writing about the Heidelberg dissertation from Martin Luther, talks about agape and eros. That's not a little book. There's one Holy Spirit, many superpowers. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you give agape love to us, that you showed us love through Jesus. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is our example. That we can receive agape love. That in receiving agape love, we can be shaped, we can be changed, we can be filled to overflowing so that we can love others, not out of lack, not out of emptiness or brokenness, but out of your love. Give us your love for each other. 
Help us to see each other the way you do. Help us to love each other the way you do. Help your love to motivate us and shape how we live and how we use our spiritual gifts. Thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. We love you. We're glad you're here. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.